0: Who else do you know that uses David Bowie to introduce a service? Nobody. And if you're like, I can't believe that, here's who you should write, Marcus at JFC.R. Yeah, he'd be happy to answer any question that you have about that. Well, great to uh, to be back today. I want to welcome all of our services, not just here at Lone Tree, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, Lakewood, those that are live streaming us, those that will listen later on. Uh, whether it be through DVD or the podcast or however you're a part of the Greater JFC Family, we're glad that you're joining us and we're glad that you're a part of what we're doing. Uh, while I was gone on vacation, had a great vacation, went to Phoenix, yeah. yeah, do you guys know how hot it is in Phoenix this time of year? <laughs> Here was the deal. We went, um, uh, went down to Phoenix, and the, the, the temperature was about 107, 108, which was great. We had a swimming pool, and we were able to escape the heat. And then we uh, took a break, came back home, and the day before we left, the temperature was scheduled to go to 118 degrees. And while we were back here in Denver, it hit a, like 120 degrees there. And then we went back, we had to split, we, we took our family with us, and our family's so big now with grandchildren, we got six grandchildren and five kids, and, uh, and then some of the kids are married too, so imagine, you know, I've got an extended family, and we wanted all the kids to, to go with us on our vacation this time, but we couldn't do it all at one time, so we had to split it up over two weeks, and it just so happened, God's blessing was the one week we were there, didn't get above 107, and the next week we, we were there, didn't get above 107. And it worked out absolutely perfect to have a vacation down there. We enjoyed it. Here was the best part. We've got some really good friends here in the church that um, uh, let us use their house for free. And how many of you know that allows you to have a lot of vacation when you can go for free? We were able to do a lot of movies and go out to eat. And we just had a great time, came back refreshed. Um, Here's what I would like to say, though. Here's what made it possible. We have a great teaching team, don't we? Um, a teaching team that allows for me to go away, not only a teaching team, but people that are very skilled and being able to run the day-to-day operation, people that have been together uh, for the most part. The church is 15 years old. Many of those people have been here since day one and understand. Uh, in particular, Dan, I look down at you and would say that. Marcus, all of our campus pastors uh, ran their campuses without any uh, flaw, came together, took care of all the problems. Of course, there's always something that goes on. But rather than call me and say, hey, what would you do? These guys know what to do. They handle the situation, they handle it well. Allow me to go on a break and actually have a vacation. And I wanted to publicly thank them. Would you guys do me a favor? Would you put your hands together and thank them just for the work that they did? Not a better staff. Any place in the world, and I mean that, they truly are able to handle. Everything that comes their way. Well, uh, here's what we're doing. Pastor Dan last week started a new series on the renewed mind. Oh, by the way, um, I am wearing a shirt. You may not be able to tell, but they asked me, would you put this shirt on tonight? And it's got the golf, um, the the logo for the, the tournament. This is the shirt you get when you enter the tournament. It comes with the deal automatically. It's a, it's a really nice shirt, um, and it is sponsored by the Benefit Team, which does our insurance here at the church, and uh, I, I actually, it's one of these shirts that I don't, I hope I don't have to give it back when the, when the deal's open. I hope I get to keep it. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but I wanted to thank them for that. So Pastor Dan last week started a message on the Renewed Mind. Hope that all the campuses enjoyed it. I got a lot of good feedback on it. How many of you would agree with me that in order for the life of God to flow to you, uh, the gateway to that is the mind? Yes or no? Yep. Without any question in my mind, I will say it one more time. Uh, if you're taking notes, make sure that you get that. I think that for the life of God to flow to you and then from you to other people, the mind is the gateway for that to happen. God uses your mind. Now, here's the, here's the situation. He doesn't use the natural mind. The Bible tells us very clearly that the natural mind is at war with God. Yep. Yep. I say that one more time? The natural mind is at war with God. The Bible says this, the the natural mind doesn't receive the things of God, understand the things of God, neither can it. The natural mind must be renewed. Uh, A a way to say it would be this, you can't afford to have a thought in your head that God doesn't have in his. Anybody live long enough to realize how expensive it is to do it your way? Can I try that one more time? Anybody live long enough to realize how expensive it is to do it your way rather than God's way? God will, God will make you look a lot better than you really are, and he will save you a lot of money, I'll just tell you right now. And uh, so here, here's the deal. The Bible tells us that we need to be renewed in our mind. Where do we find that? Romans chapter 12, verse 2, is probably the most familiar scripture you'll ever find on the renewed mind, the transformed mind. Uh, when Paul wrote it, and this is from the NIV, he wrote it this way, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Let me stop and just ask the question, uh, is, is that an easy or difficult thing? It's hard, it's hard isn't it? Yeah. We live in a day in an age that tries to press us into mold. The J.B. Phillips translation of the Bible says this way, do not, let the, do not let the world press you into its mold. And is that not what happens? They try to press us into a certain way of thinking, into a certain way of living. They make you feel like you're a weirdo. If you feel any different than they do, yes or no? Yes. They, they make you feel like that you are uh, a, a, a number of different things. And maybe we'll get there before this is all over and I'll have a chance to, to talk about that. But uh, the Bible begins, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Say that with me. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. So are our minds transformed? They've got to be renewed. Just because you're born again does not mean that your mind is renewed. A better way to ask that would be able to say, and I put it in the next question, would be this. Uh, just because you're born again doesn't mean that your mind is automatically transformed. Right. Can you be born again and not have a renewed mind? Yes. Yeah, well, sure you can. And here's the proof of that. How many people do you know that love God, but whose lives are not living the promises that God has for them? Yep. So what would you blame that on, that God has favorites? What would you blame it on? Some people get it, some people don't. It doesn't work that way. I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's a renewed mind. The renewed mind is the gateway to God being able to do supernatural things in your life through you, to you, and from you. It's exactly the way that it works. You've got to remember that right now. So, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's why. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And look at God's will. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Look at me real quick. A litmus test to a transformed mind would be this. If you see God's will as anything but good, pleasing, and perfect, your mind has to be renewed. Did you hear that? If you're blaming, if you're if you're drawing dots in your life back to God for bad things that are happening, your mind must be renewed. That's good. Right. If you're constantly blaming God for things not working out, if you're blaming God for stuff in your life that's not not what it's supposed to be, if if you read the Bible and it says one thing but you're living another, and you draw dots back to God and say it's God's fault, your mind has to be renewed. Right. And you can say, to, you can go, you could line up for prayer, say, Pastor, pray for me. My mind is, I, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. Would you pray for my mind? That will not do it. Your mind has to be renewed. Yep. So in the next few weeks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about how to have a renewed mind, how to keep a renewed mind. Can I say this to you? Just because you get one doesn't mean you keep it. It is a battle that goes on all the time, and you cannot be like Switzerland when it comes to whether or not you get a renewed mind. Okay? You don't get to be neutral on the issue. And here's the here's the thought, too. This is really important. You're either going forward or you're going backward, but it's not static. You never stay the same. You never stay the same. You will find yourself. How about this? The battle for your life is fought between the six inches right here. Yes or no? It's where it's always fought. It's where the devil comes. How about this? When the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? Yes or no? Yeah. You don't do this, do you? you? You know, you guys used to laugh before I left. <laughs> what have you guys done? <laughs> you know, I'm teasing. You don't guard your heart this way. You don't guard your heart this way. You can't take your heart and put it away. You guard your heart with what happens up here. It's exactly how it happens. So we're talking about what it means to have a renewed mind, how it happens, how God uses that. Paul, once again, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I put down as a thought, and I asked it a moment ago, is it possible to be born again and not have a renewed mind? Most of you said yes. That is true. If you disagree with that, uh, you're free to disagree. But I would just say to you hey, this is my 27th year pastoring, and here's what I found out. A lot of people who love God don't live the life that God has for them, and the only explanation, or at least the main explanation, I can find is the fact that they don't have a renewed mind. They don't have a renewed mind. All right, so where would we go from here? Well, tonight, I'd like to talk about the power. Today, talk about the power of the mind, and I'm going to talk about the imagination. The imagination. If you're taking notes, you've got a pen, an underliner, whatever. Circle the word, underline the word, do whatever you need to do. The imagination. Now, if I was going to give a destination for the imagination, what would I say real quickly? The imagination is your perception of reality. Your perception of reality. Now, some of you are looking at me right now, and you're like, how important is the imagination? Isn't that a childish thing? Isn't that a kid thing? Can I say something to you? Kids have an imagination, but just because you've become adult does not mean you don't have an imagination anymore. You have imagination your entire life. Kids use their imagination a particular way. Adults use it another way. But your imagination is absolutely a crucial thing. And when the Bible says your mind needs to be renewed, God is actually saying your imagination must be controlled by the Holy Spirit in order to think the thoughts God wants you to think. If you don't, whoever controls the imagination controls you. Believe that. Write that down. Make sure you remember that. Whoever controls the imagination, Stan, whoever controls your imagination controls you, bud. It's the truth of the matter. Is the imagination a powerful issue? My goodness. The imagination, you you may believe a lie, but your lie can become your truth. And when it becomes your truth, it becomes your paradigm, and it ends up determining the life that you live. And the problem with an imagination is this, when somebody's convinced in their imagination, arguing with them is not enough to change their imagination. Have you realized that? When someone's deceived, where are they deceived? In their imagination, yes or no? It's in the intellect. That's why when people don't believe, when you try to witness to someone and tell them about God, Uh, And and it's rejected. How many of you recognize arguing with someone is not enough to get them to believe you? It takes God being able to penetrate that, doesn't it? Something spiritual has to happen. That's why it becomes an important issue. So tonight, here's what I would just uh, get into, uh, or or this weekend, what I would get into, the power of the mind, dealing with the imagination. Now, I mentioned a child. We've all, uh, anybody that's raised a child has probably gone through this or heard of this. The child comes in, there's a monster underneath my bed. Is it true? Yeah? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. Right over here <laughs> teach right here this is i want you to take notes and pay very close attention <laughs> no there is not a mon. what you do go see monsters university or something like that <laughs> There's no monster under the bed. However, however, it, it does, does this work? Does this work? Uh, three-year-old comes in, come to the bedroom. They're upset. There's a monster under my bed. And so you reason with them. Listen, there's no such things as monsters. You're, this is just in your imagination. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to grow up. I want you to turn around. I want you to go back in your room. I want you to get in your bed. I want you to knock this off. How many of you have found that that works? <laughs> does not work, does it? How powerful is an imagination? Uh, very powerful. It can produce fear. can produce tears. can take away sleep. can control a family. Yes or no? So here's what we do. We get up. And we're, we're the adult, so we take the child in there and we bend down and we lift up the covers and, hey, look underneath here, do you see anything? No, I don't see anything. To have a little fun, you stick your hand up there, curl your fingers, ah! no, don't ever, do, don't do that. You'll ruin your children, they'll write books about you. Don't ever do things like that. So you tell them, there's no monster. See, and the kid looks, he sees, but he gets under the bed and he's full of fear. And it controls them, doesn't it? It's something in many cases, uh, one time is not enough. You do it many times, don't you? And until they begin to grow, and to begin they they mature, they don't overcome that. And so we laugh at that, we look at that, and most of us see imagination as something to do with the child. And I would just submit to you simply, here's the truth of the matter, that imagination is not, all you do as an adult is you change what your imagination sees. You would change what you're afraid of. You change w- what you imagine. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I've dealt with men and women who have come into my office with the idea, I can't do any better than what I can't rise any higher in my company. I'll never make any more money than I'm ever making. I'll never be able to get any, any other promotion than I've ever... And they've convinced themselves this is true. That's the imagination. So so you try to argue with them, but here's the point. Again, arguing with an imagination changes nothing. It's almost like wasting your breath. God's got to penetrate that and show them who they are in Christ in order to bust that imagination. Does that make sense? So uh, her name was Kim. I was a new pastor uh, my first year. I've told the story. A mother brings a daughter into my office and says... Um, she's losing weight at an unbelievable speed. She eats, and then she throws up. We think she's sick. We're bringing her to the doctor. We can't figure out what's wrong. Would you pray for her? Now, at the time, you have to understand, this goes back into the 80s. At the time, they didn't have a name. It was bulimia. It was eating and purging. They didn't have a name for it. They didn't, it wasn't a well-known thing. All right, so here's what I would do. I would lay hands on her and I would pray for her, but here was the problem. That didn't change the imagination. So she would leave and she would say, I will eat, and then she would go home and do the same thing. And this became a habit, and the habit turned into a lifestyle, and the lifestyle led to this, that she literally became a skeleton walking the earth. Have you ever seen it before? The skin is stretched so tight, it looks so unhealthy. And she would come in my office and we would counsel and I would try everything I knew. Why are you doing this? I don't know why I'm doing this. Are you sick? I don't think that I'm sick, but maybe I am. Doctors ran They spent thousands, tens of thousands of dollars trying to figure out what was going on. Finally, one day, I, I just get an epiphany. I felt like it was the Holy Spirit. I had a mirror uh, that, that uh, we used um, that led into our sanctuary that allowed for a pastor to check to make sure his fly was up before he walked out. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth right now. <laughs> you laugh, but there's not many things in life worse. Than that you do it in front of two or three people, it's one thing. Do it in front of two or three thousand, and most people never forget that that (laughs) issue. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) make sure. (laughs) Wouldn't that be the worst? (laughs) (laughs) Pastor John resigned suddenly, and (laughs) Um, I, I took her to the mirror. And I just said, "Um, what do you see? And she said, I see a fat girl. And I thought she was kidding. I said, are you serious? She said, yeah, I'm dead serious. Very overweight girl. And I said, I see a skeleton who's close to death. And you would think that's enough to jar a person, wouldn't you? I I mean, logically, wouldn't you think that's enough to jar a person? She turned around and didn't change her mind at all. She kept right on doing what she was doing. How weird is that? So what do you call that? That's the imagination. The imagination totally controlled what she saw. What did she see? an overweight person, listen to me, and that, that imagination then controlled what she ate, what she did with what she ate, how she lived her life. Her lie became her truth, which was her paradigm. It was not true, but it was her truth. Yeah. Yep. Do you hear me? Yep. So when the Bible tells us we need to have a renewed mind, see here's the thing, you can get born again and things like that don't automatically get fixed. And so most people tend to believe, well, if I come to Jesus, everything's a rose garden, right? Come on. It's not the way that it works. Is God a deliverer? Sure, he's a deliverer, but there must be, a, a, on your part, there has to be a desire for that, number one. God never forces himself on you. Or, or at least I should say, rarely have I ever seen God. A miracle is that God intervenes in the natural course of nature. But if a person's saying, this is what I want, how difficult is it for God to be able to move in a situation like that? Yeah. Do you get it? Okay, so we see that one. Now look, listen to me. That's not your issue, right? So you go, okay, so, so big deal. So do I need to find your issue in order to get you to believe this tonight? Would that help? If, if the Lord gave me the word of knowledge and I could just look and point... Here's where yours is, and here's where yours is, and here's where... Is that the thing that would trigger, oh, now I get it, or is it enough to understand how powerful the imagination is? It's a powerful thing. We, we marry people with imaginations. LAUGHTER We raise children with imaginations. You know the problem with imagination? When it's us, we don't always recognize it's imagination. We see it as truth. And then we live that truth out. Do you believe me? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 4 and 5, Paul wrote towards this idea. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning that they're not flesh. I wish that they were because for most of us, if they were made out of flesh, we'd know what to do about it. We could get our hands on it, couldn't we? We could just simply make decisions. So Paul writes, the weapons are warfare, not carnal, but they're mighty through God to pulling down strongholds. So, here's what this is telling us. The imagination is a stronghold that the devil sets up his kingdom in. That's why it's so difficult to deal with the imagination. Wow. Wow. The weapons of our... Say it again. The reason it's so difficult to deal with, I'm going to read it to you from the scripture. The weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down... This is from the King James Version. Casting down imaginations. Where... Does a stronghold exist in your life, in your mind, your imagination? Does that make sense? you learning anything? This is what makes it, this is why you can't just go, okay, I'll think different. Oh, I get it. The light comes on. At times, the enemy needs to be bound he needs to be stopped he needs to let go he needs to move out of that area and the holy spirit needs to move into that area is not that what counseling is in a nutshell if you were to give counseling isn't that what counseling is biblical counseling the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down, this is from, again, the King James, casting down imaginations. How many of you have another version beside King James? What does it say there for imaginations? Arguments? It's the same word. Arguments. Any, is that NIV? Any other translations in here? Oh, come on, folks, be brave. Help me out here. Don't tell me there's only two Bibles in the room. (laughs) It says arguments. Okay. Any other words used there? arguments. Arguments. Arguments, arguments. It's the same meaning. It's the exact same meaning. King James uses imaginations. Imaginations are arguments. They're reasons why we do what we do. Does that make sense? For the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Listen to this. And every high thing, pay attention, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What does the enemy do? He gives you an argument that raises itself above what God said. What was the original lie that the enemy did in the Garden of Eden? Did God really say? Isn't that the original lie? And isn't that the way that the enemy still works? He comes to you. Listen, the devil talks just long enough to get you to agree with him. You empower the enemy when you say yes to his arguments. You should write that down right there. The enemy has no power to come in and make you think anything. He talks. And he talks well. And he presents his case well so that it sounds right. And when you believe that it sounds right, here's what happens. You exalt it above what God said. And as soon as you do that, you empower the enemy to have control of that area in your life. That's a stronghold. That's a stronghold. You've given the devil authority above God. What do you do in a situation like that? Repent. Dan got into a great understanding of repentance last week. I would just simply say it this way. Repent, re, is to go back. Pent, highest level. Here's what God wants. He wants for you to think at the highest level. What's the highest level? His way of thinking. You should see life the way he sees it. Does that make sense? That's the renewed mind. That's why I said you can't afford to have a thought in your head that God doesn't have in his because it's too expensive. It costs you too much, it will take you too far and it will leave you broke when it's all said and done. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> For the weapons of world warfare or not, Fleshly, not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling out of struggles, casting out imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Look at this. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of who? Christ. 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 So some of you are like, come on, pastor. Come on. You really put that much stock in it? <laughs> I guess my answer to you would be, you think it's not a big deal? You, you think it's minuscule? You think it doesn't really matter? Um, I have confessed to you, I know some of you think this is boring, my favorite show is Animal Planet. I was watching Animal Planet one time and they talked about how to tame elephants. And what they do is as soon as a baby is weaned from its mother, they take it away from the mother. Uh, they put a chain with a spike around its leg. It's got a chain connected to that uh, spike of about 12 inches and then another spike that they drive into the ground and the elephant wants to be with its mother so it pulls against that uh, chain and that spike cuts into its leg. It hurts. And it does this repeatedly over and over and over again until its mind finally tells it this hurts too much to try to break free. Now, the elephant in the meantime begins to grow. At the time, it only weighs about two or 250 pounds. When it's done growing, it weighs four tons. How many of you think that that little chain with that little one-foot spike could hold a four-ton elephant in place? Not a chance, right? They hold it in place with that same spike, and this is how. In its mind, when it feels the pain, it believes that it's stuck so it doesn't even try. And I submit to you, How many humans has the enemy done that to? He's convinced them that it hurts to try to do it another way. And by the time you're big enough to do something about it, you don't even try anymore. You don't even try anymore. So the Bible says you need a renewed mind. And you're like, "Ah, ah, come on. I'm born again. I have a new, I I, I know who God is. That, 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 you know what? Let me say it this way. A renewed mind is not just knowing who God is. A renewed mind is living John 10.10. I came to bring life, not just any life, but an abundant life. Until you live that life, your mind's not renewed. How about that? That's a bold statement right there. Until you live victorious, until the enemy is under your feet, until you are moving in what God has for you, until you're living God's will, your mind's not being renewed. And your mind is being renewed on, we don't change in a day, we change daily. How many of you agree with that statement right there? I wish we did change in a day. I wish it was like this. I prayed a prayer, God came into my life, I got a brand new mind, and I believe everything correctly and my life from this point out is beautiful. But we know the church is full of people who love God have been given a brand new spirit because they're born again, but they don't have a brand new mind. Yes or no? So so what's my job then? You want to know what a pastor's job is? To help people renew their mind. It's the instruction in the word. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what you need. Listen, let me make this as simple as I can. Um, you know what your job is when you come to church? To take what I'm saying, check it against the scripture, and if it's true, rise it above what the devil said. Amen. Can I say that one more time? Here's your job when you come to church. I'm instructing you in the scriptures you need to go home and make sure what I'm saying is true according to the scriptures and if it's true raise it above what the devil says because that's what an unrenewed mind is. Everything is underneath what the devil said. I'm teaching you really good right now. <laughs> this this is really really good. This can really change your life. I give you my word and I give you the word of the Father right now. This can change your life. Say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because it changed mine. It changed mine. What you lack by pedigree, God will give you through a renewed mind. I don't, I don't know if you caught what I just said. What you didn't get as a child, God will give you as an adult through a renewed mind. Isn't that cool? So that none of us are without excuse. None of us are stuck. None of us, none of us can say, well, this is just the way that I am, and this is just the way that it is, and it's never, that, that, you know what that is? That's exalting what the devil said above what God said. Right. And how many times do we do that without recognizing that's what we're doing? We're raising a lie above the truth. Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Until you know the truth, you can't be free. Yeah. Correct? Okay. But truth is not just me saying this is the truth. Truth is you taking it and elevating it above what the devil said. Yeah. Elevating it above what, what Tom Brokaw said. Yeah. Elevating it above... What the Denver Post said. Elevating it above. Do you get what I'm saying right now? So there are two troughs. And many of us eat from the trough of this world every day. The world says this. The president says this. The congress says this. the, 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 The world system says this. And this is what we believe. And we elevate it. You want me to say it? Okay, I'm going to say it. The issue of homosexuality. Today we have elevated what the world says above what the Bible said about homosexuality, and we are now on the losing side of the issue. I prophesied in this pulpit 10 years ago. We lost that battle, and all that's left are for people who believe God to hold on to the scriptures at this point. Now, some of you are going to be mad at me. You may even leave this church, read Romans chapter 1, and then here's what you have to do you need to decide. Is God's word higher than what the world says? So good, man. Because unless the church does that, there is no hope whatsoever. And some of you are mad about that, but here's why you're mad. Because you believe the enemy, you don't believe God. So I'm offensive to you. I want you to think about it. If you're mad at me for saying that, why are you mad at me for saying that? Oh, my job simply is to say, this is what God said. You've got to elevate. This is really good. This is really good. And I did not go after this in my notes. God is doing this. This is the Holy Spirit right now. If the Bible says this is the way that it is, the people of God must elevate that higher than what the world says. And the problem will be this that the world will always make it easier for you to agree with them than they will make it easier for you to agree with God. Do you know that? Okay, um, let me just give you two quick things. Number one, we reflect the reality we are most aware of. You know that, right? We reflect the reality we are most aware of. Let me ask you a question. If you're born again, are you ever aggravated by the culture around you? Four of us. (laughs) (laughs) Someone ask that one more time. If you're born again, are you ever aggravated by the culture around you? What is that? What is that? Do you want to know what it is? The Spirit of God in you is telling you they're wrong. And that's why it aggravates you. And in fact, here's the truth. Part of the reason you're aggravated is it's an assignment. It's an assignment for you to figure out how to speak truth to a lie. That is good, isn't it? I don't mean that arrogantly. It's the truth of the matter. That's why you're aggravated by it. You recognize many people in the world are not aggravated at all by the culture. They love it. Why are you aggravated? Because the Spirit of God lives inside of you. It's one of the proofs you're born again. And let me say it this way. Maybe here's the better way to say it. If you read the newspaper and watch the news and see everything around you and you're like, oh, hallelujah, this is awesome, you probably aren't born again. (laughs) You think I'm kidding. We reflect the reality we are most aware of. In Mark chapter 9, verse 2, the Bible says after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, led them up on a high mountain apart from themselves, and he was transfigured. Say that word with me, transfigured before them. If you have a pen, pencil, highlighter, get that word, transfigured. Okay, here's my notes. Jesus reflected the reality of a different world. Here's what happened. When he was exposed to the presence of God, the Bible says he began to glow brighter than lightning. What happened? Jesus was reflecting the reality of the presence of God, yes or no? You agree with that statement? Okay, if that's true, if you can agree with that, then I want you to get this right here because it becomes very important. I'm going to say it one more time. We reflect the reality we are most aware of Jesus reflected the reality of a different world. This is important. The word transfigured is the exact same word, no difference whatsoever, as the word transformed in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Let me go back and read it for you so you get it. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You could take the word transfigured and it means the same thing, so it could read this way. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. You are supposed to be so aware of the reality of another kingdom that you shine forth the reality of that kingdom. Would you not agree with me that most of us are so aware of the kingdom around us that we shine that forth rather than the reality of heaven. Now, I don't mean to be ugly to you or mean to you. I fall in that category too. But our job is supposed to be that. We are supposed to spend time with God so that when we go into this world, we are supposed to shine forth the reality of another kingdom, another time, another place, but it's real. Does that make sense? Huh. Huh. I wrote this down, and I've said it now for a couple of years. Transform minds, transform people. Transform people, transform nations. And until the church is transformed, nothing great happens. We're as much a part of the culture as anyone else. We're just aggravated by it. Degree? We're just aggravated by it. In a negative sense, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 through 23, do you remember when Jesus begins to tell Peter, uh, it was right after Peter tells him, you are the Christ, the Son of God, and Jesus says, this hasn't been revealed to you by any man, but by uh, only God could reveal this to you. And then Jesus begins to tell them, hey, I'm going to suffer. I I, I am going to go through a lot of different things. In fact, I'm going to be put to death. And you remember what Peter, Peter rebukes Jesus. Lord, this will never happen. I mean, can you imagine? In in literally, in, in less than like a minute's time, Jesus praises Peter and then he rebukes Peter. How many of you feel like that happens in your life? Be honest with me. It's like, hey, that's really good. Why did you do that? That's really smart. That's the dumbest thing you ever said. Okay. Peter, listen, if we reflect the culture or the reality that we're most aware of. Peter at one moment was reflecting the culture of heaven, but then the next moment he was reflecting the culture of this earth, wasn't he? And isn't that the problem with the human condition? Doesn't that make sense? Okay, uh, let, me, let me just move into this last one, and I, I, I really will close with this. Uh, we create a reality outside according to the reality inside of us. We create a reality out here according to what's going on in here. The disciples, um, I can find three times in scriptures where the disciples were invited to get on a boat and a storm happened. And I've joked about this, some of you remember. The first time it happens, it's coincidence. The second time that it happens, I bet they begin to wonder, hmm, Third time, do you think they beg Jesus, please don't make us get in the boat? (laughs) Anything but the boat? Not the boat again. Every time we get in that boat, there's a storm. Every time we get in that boat, we end up crying, (laughs) screaming, shrieking. Something weird happens in that boat every time. Okay, they get on the boat. Uh, Mark 4, 37 through 40, a furious squall came up. The waves broke over the boat so that it was... Nearly swamped, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, that cracks me up. They're in a storm and the boat's being swamped and he's sleeping on a pillow. (laughs) Does that not sound, come on Greg, isn't that funny? I love love that. He's sleeping on a pillow. He's not sleeping on the floor, on a seat. He's asleep on a pillow. (laughs) So, look at this. The disciples wake him up and they said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? (laughs) Jesus doesn't argue with them. He doesn't debate with them. He doesn't tell them how much he loves them. He gets up, rebukes the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down. It was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Does that not strike you at all as a funny story? <laughs> okay, I'm going to point two things out to you. The disciples were totally controlled by what was happening inside of them so that it affected how they felt about everything outside of them. Jesus was so controlled by what was going on inside of him, that he ended up controlling everything that was going on outside of him. I will say this to you. Any storm you can sleep through, you own. (laughs) Ooh. Any storm you can sleep through, you own. You want to know what God, most of us think our number one position in life is to wake God up so that he takes care of our problems. And do you want to know the truth? God has given you the authority to speak to the wind and the waves, and he's waiting for you to stand up and to say, peace, be still, stop. That's a renewed mind. Somebody goes, well, I tried that, it doesn't work. So you tried one time. You tried twice, three times. We don't change in a day. We change daily. We, we, listen, we don't try this Christianity thing. We are believers. Jen, we, we, don't, we don't experiment with Christianity. We don't experiment with the supernatural. Jesus was our model for how to live life. We're supposed to do it the way he did it, correct? The message of Jesus, uh, uh, folks, I'm sorry, I'm out of time, I've got to stop. The message of Jesus is not, look what God can do. The message of Jesus is, look what a man in right relationship with his father is able to attain. Huh? So Isn't our job, everything that we're supposed to do is supposed to go this way before it goes this way? And how many believers go this way and then take it all this way? And here's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, say it with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He did not say, as it is on the earth, so let it be done in heaven. And yet our prayers primarily consist of whatever's happening here is what we go to there. And we're supposed to go there and figure out what it looks like there and then be praying that here. Do you believe that to be true? Okay, again, truth is not you going, amen, I got it. Truth is when you exalt it above what the enemy says. Yeah. Fluctuating like this is a life like this. God wants you to live like this. Does that make sense? Okay, Father, wow. I have said so much. I have shovel-fed, I have thrown tons at your people. I must count now that the Holy Spirit is able to quantify and to qualify what's been said and to help people be able to sort it out, whether they be sitting here at Lone Tree or right now at Lakewood, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, they're listening live stream, they listen later on. Folks, here's what I'm trusting. Lakewood people, all of our campuses, I'm trusting right now that you're not simply acquiescing to me but that you right now are exalting the truth above a lie and you are saying, God, I will continue to hold on to this regardless of what happens. Listen, if you think the devil, I'm gonna tell you exactly what's gonna happen tonight, the devil will try everything he can do to convince you That he is telling you the truth and that God is lying so that you will give this up. You have to know that. So what's your decision? Will you hold on to what God said? Will you fight for what God said? Will you believe in what God said? What will you do? You know, that's where I throw this message right back to you right now. What will you do? Some of you are going to be challenged. You'll be challenged with your health. You'll be challenged with your finances. You'll be challenged in your marriage. You'll be challenged in relationships. You'll be challenged in your job. You'll be challenged with your temper. What will you do? Will you begin to confess, this is not who I am. I am a child of God. I am born again. I am delivered. I am a new creation, and I can rise above this. We don't change in a day, we change daily. What will you do with this message? I'd love to ask the question how many of you are tired of failure? God doesn't offer failure. You are more than a conqueror. You are well able. He's taken authority from the enemy and given it to you. The devil's a wonderful liar, but we empower him only when we allow him to talk and we agree. How about this? At the very minimum, Will you quit agreeing with the devil and agree with God? Next week, I'm going to talk about how to renew your mind. I'm going to talk about what it takes to renew your mind on an ongoing basis. It's not enough to hear this message, go home and think, okay, good to go. That's not enough. There are ways we renew our mind. Let me ask the question. How many of you would love to learn how to renew your mind on an ongoing basis? You bet. I'll teach it next week. I'll teach it. Hey, look up here real quick. I love you. I speak down to no one. I'm not talking about anybody's situation. I didn't read anybody's mail and then decide to write the message based on that this week. I don't do that. Write what God tells me to write, and then I say it. If it comes into your living room and moves your furniture, rather than being mad at me, how about saying, hey, God, what are you trying to do in my life? Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Tonight, before you leave, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you tell the Lord, this is what I want? There's not too many things more powerful in life than telling God, yes yes. Yes, I believe. Yes, that's what I want. Yes, you can work in my life. Yes, I'm open. It's powerful. It's powerful. I'm going to go ahead ask, ask you to stand to your feet if you will. Our worship team at all of our campuses will come, close us out right now. Any of our Campus pastors that have anything in their heart and they want to take it in a different direction, you are free to do so. Um, Marcus, why don't you help me pull this down real quick so that the worship team isn't being blocked by that. Folks, we'll take communion. We'll search out prayer. If you need to use the altar, you're free to do that. There are people in the back wearing lanyards that say prayer. If you don't have to skedaddle real quick, take a few minutes and allow the Holy Spirit to plant this in your heart right now. Allow the Holy Spirit a few minutes right now. Maybe just look at your life and just go, hey, it's not where I want it to be. Rather than feeling bad about that, why don't you say, hey God, let's change things. God's more interested in seeing it happen in your life than I bet you are. Did you know that? So take a few minutes before you rush out of here. We've got plenty of time. Just worship for a few minutes. Use the elements that we have to connect with God. Make sure tonight, tell the Holy Spirit, hey, do this in me. I want this. I want to take this serious. I want to move in this. I want to grow in this. Watch what God can do. You'll be very surprised. You'll be very surprised. Okay. Amen. Amen. Amen.